That so I'd say hockey looks like it's pretty pretty physical as well. Well, and and doing that all on ice. All too. on ice, like that's crazy. You're not. That's not puck. running and cutting like it is on grass or court or no. That yeah. on ice, I I don't even think I could play hockey with no puck. Yeah. Like even just the skating around, I couldn't even handle. Yeah. That. No, the skating's so, too much. Add the the puck, and then the fact that you're not actually interacting with the puck. Yeah. You're using a stick to interact with the. I mean, that's, that's yeah, insane. it's crazy. Let's go. Another episode of Adversity Kings. We're live, and we have special guest today, Parker. What's the last name? Smith. Parker Smith. Let's go, big dog. How you doing today? I'm doing great. How you doing today? Good, brother. Good. So, where are you from? I am actually from Downers. Downers? Uh, I grew up uh, in Downers Grove. I went to Downers Grove South from the area. My dad and my grandfather also from the area so i've got wow. whole families from the area here for real yeah so a lot of individuals like like i'd say probably close to half the company half my company here is probably first or second generation americans i'm always curious about culture ethnicity nationality where are you from like originally originally i'm definitely a mutt you know yeah. i've been uh I'm from all over the place my dad is mostly eastern european but from all over uh, yeah. my mom is truly like not 10% of any one particular thing, like yeah. just like spread so thinly across the board. I can't really say I have a lot of like rich cultural background just yeah. because of how spread out our, yeah. our heritage is. Yeah, yeah. What was, um, what was growing up for you like? I grew up upper middle class family. You know, my, my parents always did well. Yeah. My mom worked from home while I was growing up, like basically from five years old all the way until I was 12, 13. I had a younger yeah. sister. Um, parents were always around, was just always doing everything. I was in every club, every sport, everything. I had the best parents in the world and they just, you know. What'd your parents do growing up? Like what, what did you see them do work-wise, home life? What was yeah, that like? so my dad, kind of non-traditional uh, family dynamic. You know, my dad did all the cooking, my dad handled a lot of the stuff around the house. Wow. Uh, but he actually was a podiatrist, so he owned his own practice briefly, then worked uh, for a podiatry group called PPG. Um, so he did a lot of traveling podiatry, working with nursing homes, with uh, older people, people with disabilities. Uh, so he was foot, ankle, lower leg, anything in that vicinity, he yeah. did. Um, my mom worked in the virtual sales channel for AT&T, so she was business side, you know, more so working with vendors, working with um, people that were selling AT&T products and services, not really working with customers or with like actual- B2B sales. Yeah, exactly. Okay, Much more sense. B2B, yep. And how old are you? I am 22, almost 23 now. Okay, when's the birthday? December 31st. December 31st, New Year's Eve, baby. Yeah. Let's go, any any exciting plans? Nothing, nothing too crazy. I, I did the big uh, 21st a couple of years ago and just, did way too much. Got yeah. the table downtown. I did, did the, the same thing. Did the whole show. Yeah. I just woke up the next morning. Basically, was like didn't remember a, a lick of it. Just yeah. was. It was. So I don't drink, <laughs> and so I remembered all of it in the in the process of it. I brought guys out from the company, everything like that, fit the whole bill, and the dinner. And I I, th I think it was roughly fifteen thousand between the table Jesus. and the dinner. And I don't drink, so yeah. like. I was like, oh, wow. You know what yeah, I mean? And yeah. we were joking about it this morning because I've only done it one other time. I'm 25 now. But we won uh, We won our, respectively, in our, they categorize uh, insurance businesses. Yep. So we won our category uh, two years ago. And we were in Vegas. And I think that table was like 6000 It wasn't as bad. But I didn't realize because, you know, when you buy a bottle of Ace of Spades outside of the club, uh, it's three hundred dollars. Again, I don't I don't drink, but I, I like fancy bottles. I yep. got like a Lamborghini bottle right here. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I kept ordering Ace of Spades to the table for my 21st. It was like, Ace of Spades, Ace of Spades, Ace of Spades. And- uh, It's not 300 bucks. <laughs> yeah, no, the girls were like, yeah. And I'm like, yeah, you know, trying to impress the girls and uh, get the bill and I'm like, oh no. Nah. You know what I mean? Can I do the dishes or something? Like, yeah. Yep. <laughs> in my mind, that's my that was my thought process. But no, that definitely influenced me even more to not want to be a nightlife individual. But yeah. let's jump back into your story. So. Mom, dad, kind of a, a unique uh, development, both still, you know, gen generating funds, but, you know, dad was uh, cooking and kind of doing a little bit different of the traditional roles. Well, who would you say you were closest with growing up, mom or dad? That's tough. You know, I, I didn't have the closest relationship with my dad. He kind of was, he wanted to be a little bit of an enforcer, wanted to have the role of like- So he was still a masculine, like yes, dominant Yes, very figure. much so, and very much like, you know, 
if, if mom was upset at you, you were okay. But like when dad got involved, that was like, you yeah. crossed the line, you were getting a whooping type of thing. And yeah. um, I didn't really get close with my dad until I was probably 18, 19, you know, finished high school, moved out, started to manage my own shit. And then uh, my dad kind of saw me more on an even playing field with him. Yeah. And it helped our relationship a lot. But growing up, it was always me and my mom. I've been super close to my mom since as long as I can remember. Yeah, so what do you think you got the most from your mom growing up? Like what, what things do you think she instilled into you to make you the man that you are today and to give you the success that you have at such a young age? Yeah, I would say 100% just just caring and compassion. You know, she is just like like the type of person who cries when she sees a squirrel dead on the side of the My road. My mom's the like, same way. You know, and, and yeah. I just, I, I embody some of those characteristics, not the same as her sometimes. She gets real sad or worked up about stuff yeah. and I just can't meet her there. But, yeah. you know, just in the way that I've handled my relationships with with significant others, with friends, with colleagues, with You're business engaged, partners. right? Yeah, I am. Wow, dude, that's young. But that's good if you find the girl. I always tell everybody, if you can find the right one, I think it's better to do it, you know, as soon as possible. Because especially if you're trying to build something special in life, if you're out chasing, yep. you're, you're gonna spend a lot of time wasting time with with individuals that don't care, yep. you know? So that's that's good for you there. So you get the compassion, you get the care from your mom, your dad's the enforcer, so I can see the balance and the dichotomy between the, these two. Now, as you start to go through high school, when did you really start to hone in on one sport and know that you were gonna utilize that to kind of you know catapult yourself into uh, the education where you are now? Yeah, so you know I grew up playing every sport. I did everything from swimming, running, tracking, cross country, basketball, volleyball, soccer, football. I mean, I did everything. Um, slowly whittled away, whittled away until I got to high school. I played three sports in high school and ended up by the end of my time in high school, I had really narrowed it down just to soccer. I had decided that soccer was going to be the sport I really wanted to kind of take all the way. Yeah. Uh, I had a really bad injury. I broke my right humerus compound fractured it. I had to have my whole right arm reconstructed. So I've got like a 10 inch plate and like a dozen screws in my yeah. arm holding it together now. And that was like a huge blow. I was like, I thought I was gonna play college soccer. I thought, yeah. you know, soccer was my thing. And um, I was able to come back and and right at the end of my senior year, I got my first and my only division one offer, which was at Northern Illinois. I decided I'm gonna go to NIU, went there. I played two and a half years there. My third season, we won the MAC. we went to the national tournament. You know, we were un, undefeated in conference play, all this stuff, got all these accolades and then, uh, in the middle of my sixth semester, I was exploring some business opportunities and stuff and was just like, got an opportunity to try and go make professional soccer work. And I and I jumped at it and, and I was able to actually sign pro and play from there. Do, now, do you still play pro? I do not. I played uh, last season. I hung the boots up in uh, January of 2023. So the, well, coming up on a year now that I haven't been playing. What team did you play with? I played with a team called Forward Madison in uh, Madison, Wisconsin. Okay. So that was when I originally moved from Illinois to Wisconsin, yeah. moved there. I played there and actually ended up falling in love with the city. And now I live there with my current fiance and we just moved there just because we loved the city. Do you have a past fiance? No, no. Okay. I was curious. You said current. I'm like, no, no, no. I was, I was giving you kudos for starting young. And I was like, all right, nah, maybe my boy is just a, like a trigger puller. And he's, he's asked no. a couple of times. All right, no, no. no. Okay. And respect to the fiance. If you watch this, um, Okay, so I'm curious when soccer is something I'm, I'm really curious about because I, I don't really follow sports that much aside of UFC, but I just saw uh, Otani, which is baseball, yep. sign a $700 million contract, yep. structured a little weird. I think he's not getting most of the money until like a decade from now. But soccer players are another one that is slept on because Americans are, are deceived. They think football is the most watched sport and yep. the most funded sport in, in the world. Football is not even close. No. It, it might be top five. But soccer, cricket, you know what I mean? Yeah. Polo, like yeah. these worldwide sports that dominate. And I don't think there's any sport like soccer that dominates uh, just worldwide television. I, I think we have the World Cup coming here yeah. the next time. Where's 2026. That, where's that going to be? It's all of North America. So there'll be a couple games in Canada, a couple games in Mexico, and a lot of games in the U.S. That's going to be sick. I'm going to get some. We're going to do tickets for that, Nick. You got to. You, we're going to do. We're going to do that. Experiencing a World Cup atmosphere is Has something you will have you, just. Have you gone? Yeah, yeah. Oh my I've, god. I've traveled a lot. I've gotten to go to a lot of games. I've gone to, 
you know, I've also gotten to experience some, not necessarily small, but smaller matches. Like I, uh, I lived in Portugal briefly. Mm. And when I was living in Portugal, we went to a, a match that was between FC Porto and Sporting. So those yeah. are the two biggest clubs in Portugal. Yeah. So that you really only care a lot about that league if you live in Portugal. Yes. But for those people, like it was life or death. Like these people, the atmosphere, the way the stadium just like shook. And yeah. the, the feeling of being in a game like that was unbelievable. I can't even imagine what the World Cup is gonna be like I've when it heard, comes to the US. Dude, I've heard of some cultures and it's probably historically, I don't know how accurate it would be, of like if a soccer player blew a game in another like country, like they got executed. Yeah. That's insane. It, it, like, it is. And the thing is, insane. it's it's like guerrilla style. It's not like the government is going to try them. Yeah. It's just like the fans will will kill you. Dude, and I heard in the most recent World Cup, I don't know if people paid attention to the news, there was a, a gentleman in the Middle East, I believe, that was executed for, I think there was like a USA game or something like that. And I think a fan, like somebody like, like took a took a guy out. They were like in a crowd or something like that. I don't know what, and I don't know again how accurate that is, but I'm pretty <laughs> like sure, I'm like 90% sure I saw some of the news in regard to someone being taken out. Now you played at uh, this Wisconsin professional team. Yep. Are you familiar with FC Dallas? Yes, very. Did true. you guys play them at all? Um, so FC Dallas, they have two teams. They have their first team, which is in the MLS. Okay. And that is that was the league above the league I was playing in. Okay. And then they have a team in the MLS next, which was the league below the team that I was playing with. Okay. So we were kind of nestled right in between their two teams, but I know personally and have played with at least a dozen guys that played in the FC Dallas squads. You know, so it's a, it's a small world because this, I'll plug our company real quick, our, our parent company, Globe Life. They're the official company for the Dallas Cowboys, the Atlanta Braves. They have the name rights to Texas Ranger Stadium, but they're also the, the sponsor for FC Dallas. Now, I don't know which specific team it would be because I'm I sure know there it's was two. Be their, their top, their top team. I'm sure it's the MLS team. That's sweet though. So, and and I've never really been able to have a conversation with anybody. I mean, some of the guys that like soccer, you know, a lot of the Polish guys that come here, they like yeah. soccer and the Latino culture and everything like they like soccer. So, um, when we, when we do get people incorporated, I'm like, hey, we're you know we're with FC Dallas, and I have no idea who plays for FC Dallas. I've yeah. never been to a game, um, and they they go they go nuts about it. But I I I always get curious because. Baseball has so many different tiers, but it sounds like soccer does as well. Yeah. Where it's like, you've got like a high school league, then you got like a league above that, but it's before college. Then you got a couple leagues that are kind of yep. like in kind of college and you got the pro leagues and a couple leagues there. What are the odds going like high school to like straight to like the USA team where you can compete on an Olympic level? Like has, does America, do have we had anybody on that level? Like who's the greatest present American player right now? Who's some great um, past American players? Yeah, so it's tough. The American game is changing a lot because we're trying to keep up with Europe. We're trying to keep up with South America. We're trying to keep up. And they start with the playing. The probably, they probably play a little different. They probably play year round. I imagine we play yep. year round, but they may maybe they start younger. Yeah, and the other thing is, it's a culture thing, right? Like yeah. when we're growing up here in the U.S., the best athletes that we have, put them in a football helmet. Yeah, put them on a basketball court. Right, that's what we do with the, with our best athletes. Yeah. Whereas in these other countries, these other cultures. If you are any bit athletic, stick you on a soccer field yeah. from the moment you can walk. Yeah. And, that, and that's how it is. And so we're trying to kind of catch up being a country that is just so diverse in terms of our sporting. Like there is so much attention for so many different sports and soccer, we're starting to catch up. But the reason we're actually catching up more is because our best Americans are going to Europe when they're 10 years old. Yeah. So they're just leaving. They're going to Europe and they're training and playing in Europe their entire youth and high school days when the American system just isn't building players the same way that the European and South American systems are. Yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. Um, and I think if I were a parent and I wanted to like cash out on my kid, I think I would go with soccer. The financial pool looks a lot better. You got Messi that just bought into Miami. I think yep. he's a part owner of yep. what's the Miami team name? Uh, Inter-Miami. Inter Miami. Yep. Okay. And then you've got Ronaldo that I think got signed to a Middle Eastern. Yep. Uh, Saudi Arabian team. Saudi Arabian team for, was it a quarter? Was it half a billion dollars? Yeah. It was something like just obscene. Like, it, yeah. It was, and it wasn't over an extended period of time. And it probably wasn't like Otani where it gets paid out over 17 years. I bet they pay that thing out over five years. Yeah. And they made an adjustment. And in, in the country that he was, he was going to, I believe, be staying in. 
believe he has a fiance or a girlfriend. Mm -hmm. Now, they don't let you live with the opposite sex unless you're married. Yeah. They made an exception yes. for soccer. Yes. For him. Yes. That's how much the world cares. Like you're talking about extremists, individuals that's like, if you if you say the wrong thing, there there can be extreme punishment. Making such a massive exception, it's insane to me. Yeah, I mean, at the end of the day, right, it's a business. Yes. And that that was something I had to learn. Not the hard way, but just I had to have my eyes open to when I moved into the professional game of like, they care about you, right? They care about soccer, but it's a business. Yeah, it's a stat, and, you're a number. And they're like, I mean, they might they might be paying Ronaldo, let's say he's making a hundred million a year. Yeah. They are making more money than that by him being on the team. Yes. And that is just even crazier to think about. Like the exposure that the league is getting and the jersey sales and just the TV deals and the endorsement deals and the advertising, I mean, they are gonna make that money back. And what that really does is it opens the floodgates for other players that were never even considering a move to Saudi yeah. Arabia. They're like, well, Ronaldo went there. Yeah. I could go to Saudi Arabia. Ronaldo's one of the best players of all time. If he did it, I could do it, sure. And the duration on some of these players, isn't he late 30s? Yeah, yep, Ronaldo is, is Early I think 40s, 37, something, which like to be in peak physical condition, to be playing a sport that requires miles of sprinting. That's every, insane. It's, it's ridiculous. Now, do soccer players get tested? Is there, I, I, you know, you've got the NFL where you can rotate on, rotate off. So I know there's probably like different things, but yeah. like for the most part, they don't look trend out. I don't care no. what you say. They don't look like they're just beefy to the gills. You know what I mean? These yeah. are sleek individuals, but the recovery, like are peptides allowed? Like, you know, I've taken peptides to help recover. So it's yeah, like, it, it's, it's interesting. Um, yes and no, right? It's one of those things where it's not allowed, but it's also not uncommon. And there are ways you can get around things. Yeah. You know, the level I was playing at, it wasn't quite as prevalent. You know, you're not, you don't have guys that are, an injury costs the team $20 million, yeah. right? Like that, that wasn't the situation. So it wasn't so prevalent, but in the highest levels, I mean, it, 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 it exists. And the spikes metal sport. at the highest level? Are the spikes metal? Um, if you're playing on soft ground, so you're playing on wet grass or you're playing on a, a natural surface, you should be playing with metal spikes, yeah. You ever taken like metal spikes to yeah. anywhere? Yeah, all over. So I'm a goalkeeper. Okay. Um, so I've been kicked, slid into, need, hit into the post. I mean, every everything you can imagine that happened to me. I've, I've is that how you broke the arm? Uh, the the arm actually, weirdly enough, I was diving to save a ball, and I basically landed with my arm out straight, and then when I hit the ground, I was parallel to the ground, and instead of dislocating my shoulder, my bone here just splintered. Damn. It was, the doctor said the only time he'd seen a break like that is when people are in a, a like a high speed car, car crash accident. and yeah. they straighten their arms on the wheel yeah. and the same thing instead of Get the jarred. shoulder going, the arm to splinters. And that's, that's exactly insane. what happened to me. That's insane. Yeah. Um, who's your favorite player? Oh, I would say I, I've been a Messi fan through and through since I was really young and, and I didn't grow up in a soccer family. Yeah. So I didn't really have a team that I supported, but I... You know, we're looking at late 2000s, early 2010s, where I like really fell in love with the game. And that was when Messi was just unstoppable. Uh, you just couldn't help but love him. Now, is he retired or is he just, an, is he owner slash player of Miami? Yes, that. Yep. So wow. he, he's playing. Um, his deal was actually just so lucrative that they couldn't really pay him what they needed to pay him. Yeah. So they, so they kind of just like started giving him stake and stuff. Yeah. Like, let's give him a little stake of the team. Let's give him a little stake of this advertising deal that the league has. I mean, almost the entire league is contributing to Messi's salary because that's how important it was to get him over to the U.S. That's insane. That's yeah. a clutch play for the U.S. Yes. With so many individuals going out to other clubs, that's a clutch play for the U.S. economically, for Florida. I was studying GDP this morning. It's like, that is a clutch play yeah. in general. Um, who was the light skin that did real well this this year? What was what was the dude's name? Mbappe. I, Mbappe. Yeah. His future looks bright. Oh, yeah. yeah that, I mean, so young. 20 just, years old? I think 22 maybe, yeah. but still, I mean, he he's a child and yeah. he is competing with the best players in the world. I mean, I, I think he will have a absolutely phenomenal career yeah. barring some big injury, which unfortunately happens. He had a big injury? No, 
Okay. Oh, yes. that he does. Yes. You know, I think he could have a... Was he Team England? He was uh, France. Team France. Yes. Okay. Yep. That makes sense. Man, is there anything else on soccer, because we got carried away there, that, that uh, sticks out to you, that you like, or that you think individuals are just not educated on being in the U.S.? Yeah. You know, if I could give a, a 15 second plug for soccer, I would say um, people don't understand the physical demands that come with the game. That's what I wanted to talk on. You know, it's it's very it's very popular to just write it off as a sport that really is just like it's all about running. It's all about cardio. Yeah, there is a, a huge physical component to the game. And I think people also forget the coordination and the skill that it takes to run and jump and cut and sprint and do all these things at full speed while using your feet yes. to move a ball. I yeah. mean, that is just like- Insane. It is. And so people are so quick to say, oh, soccer players are always falling down. They're always, you know, getting tripped up with all this stuff. Like you get hit way harder in football or you get way more physical in basketball or whatever that might look. You're not, you don't have something at your feet while that's happening yeah. in those sports. So, And, and I think to also with the physicality of, of you know, playing both, um, well, soccer at a very low level, but I could do a rainbow better than Nick, so. That's something. Yeah, you know, I can, bro. <laughs> we have our dribbling videos out there too. We can pull those up. Um, but I, I think when I'm just, like, if I, you just do like the, the science in your mind of like when you're running, there's a lot of friction in football with pads. I don't know what else would be very contact-like that we can compare that to basketball. Absolutely not softest sport in the world right now. Yeah. Uh, maybe back in the day, but soccer, you're talking about maybe rugby. Yeah, even oh, with yeah. even with rugby, that I could still see that being similar. But when you watch the the physical style, there's still there's I think is it eleven men that they have out there as well. Yep. Yep. There's still a decent amount of friction where it's not like one on one hit. That soccer field looks massive. Is it that, is. is it longer than hundred yards? It's one twenty by sixty. Okay, so it's a massive field, and if you got these straightaway sprints with no pads, and I'd say maybe the average soccer player could consistently be operating at a 15 to 20 mile per hour speed, which has to be double of what you're operating at. Let's just say in reference to football. I don't. I, obviously, some of these guys like Cheetah is going to get up to yeah. 20 miles an hour, but how how consistently is he able to get up to that? You're talking about consistently moving at that. How long is the game duration? Two hours or something? Stupid? 90 minutes. Yeah. 90 minutes. So to have the internal endurance, but then externally, it's like. I couldn't imagine, man, like just somebody coming at me 20 miles an hour and just like head kicking me or something crazy. You know what I mean? Just yeah. even the contact of like, you're going 20, I'm going 20 and just boom. Yeah, you know dueling for balls in the air or on the ground. I mean, the slide tackling element of things, the physical side of any type of set pieces or a dead ball where yeah. there it's kind of like a fixed play of sorts. I mean, you're just taking all 20, two guys on the field, you're putting them into the box together, and then someone is just basically serving a ball up and everyone is just grabbing, jumping, going, going at each other as hard as you can. I mean, it is it is definitely a much more physical and much uh, tougher sport than I think a lot of people give credit. I think the few times I've played, uh, I think every kid in America though has to at least have a general respect and admiration for FIFA. I think everybody else, yeah. you've probably <laughs> played FIFA. You played FIFA, Zaleski? Everybody likes FIFA. I think I used to pick Team Italy, and I liked, because it was like the only black player that I thought looked cool was uh, Balotelli. Yeah, Mario name? Balotelli. Uh, does he still play or no? He does not, but he is a he's a legend of he the game. He was a dog. I don't know. I liked playing him. He always had a sick like mohawk and yep. everything like that. I was like, I'm picking this dude. Um, so I bet FIFA even does better than like Madden in 2K when you think about it, because FIFA, like, that's, no one's buying Madden and like living in England or something yep, like that. Yeah, absolutely. You know I mean? They're buying FIFA, 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 FIFA. That's probably yeah, worldwide yes. getting that that FIFA game. So that's that's insane. Um, yeah, dude. The only other thing I think probably competes with uh, the physicality is hockey. Oh yeah, hockey, man. That's got to be something. You know, I've, unfortunately, I just watched somebody pass away in a minor league, and like you're the there was a highlight, and I think it was Europe or something. This dude, like, I don't know if it was intentional, but I think it was like unintentional manslaughter. It was like his case. Dude goes and like trips, but like his skate comes up high. It looks like it came up unintentional. Slit oh. the dude's throat, bro. It was insane. Yeah, it was insane, bro. That so I'd just... say hockey looks like it's pretty pretty physical as well. Well, and, and doing that all on ice. All too. on ice. Like it's crazy. You're not, that's not puck. running and cutting like it is on grass or court or no, that yeah. on ice. I, I don't even think I could play hockey. With no puck. Yeah. Like even just the skating around, I couldn't even handle yeah, that. Yeah, no, the skating's so, too much. 
add the the puck and then the fact that you're not actually interacting with the puck yeah you're using a stick to interact with the i mean that's it's yeah insane. it's crazy i've tried uh, i think i snowboarded like two or three times and just being on snow and ice is just not a uh not a good mix for me or my kind, I don't think. I'll leave it as that politically as correct as possible. But uh, I think I like fractured my elbow or something stupid, dude. I grew up in PA, and you know, I think a lot of a lot of people. I think they snowboard out here and ski. You snowboard yeah, or ski? Yeah. I snowboard, dude, yeah, dude. That that that's another thing. Just there's a that's crazy, dude. You ever watch any X Games or anything like oh, that? Like, yeah, dude. You yeah. think about that because you look at it like, oh, that looks easy. Then you get out there on a slope and you're like. Dude, there's no way I could do like a 720 backflip right now or something crazy <laughs> stupid. <laughs> get up and just snap your knees in half. But um, so you get into college, you get the pro deal. What's the hardest adversity all the way up into prior to breaking your arm? What's the hardest adversity you had to go through? I think prior to the arm break, honestly, it wasn't too much. I think I was still pretty young. I had great parents, super supportive. Yeah. I had never, I never really felt like I was. Um, being held back. Yeah. Um, the arm break was a big one for me. I think just mentally, I think because it was my first real setback, yeah. it was like, well, like, why is the world doing this to me? It was yeah. how I felt at first. Um, after the arm break, you know, when I got to the higher levels of the game, you're having more injuries, you're having more things you're facing, more week to week stuff that really is just, you're kind of always dealing with the knock. And then I think also just dealing with the adversity that was actually trying to get my first pro contract because I dropped out of school. I was already operating my business at this point. Um, I felt financially comfortable, but nonetheless, I dropped out of school okay. to pursue a professional soccer career. Yep. And I knew if it didn't work out, so be it. I've got my business. It'll support me. I could go back to school, whatever. But the goal, what I told everybody, my friends, my family, myself, was I'm leaving school to go pro. Yeah. And I left school. I showed up uh, day one of, of trial for the pro team I was looking at, and there was no contract on the table. It was like, you have a chance to earn one. And I went wow. and I, I, I trialed for three weeks, and then they cut me. And they said, sorry, we don't want you. And the next morning, I showed up still, and I went back out on the field the next day, and I said, you could cut me, you don't have to sign me, but I'm not leaving, I don't have anywhere else to go. So I'm gonna stay and I'm gonna keep training until you tell me that I have to leave. Yeah. And I showed up and I trained for another week and they That's said, hard. you don't have to leave yet, you can keep training if you want. And I stayed another week, you don't have to leave yet. And after my sixth week, they offered me a contract and, uh, and I signed and, and got to play professionally because hard. they told me no three weeks in and I said, I'm just not gonna accept that. Yeah, that's sales. That's oh. sales 101. <laughs> yeah. That's sales 101, bro. You know, the, the top guys in our offices, I, myself, you know, I can remember not taking no for an answer. I think that's just life success. That's awesome to hear that, man, seriously. Um, your business, you've highlighted your business a few times. I think, you know, we talked prior to this, you comfortable with talking about your business? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So what is your business? What do you do? When did you start it? Yeah, so um, I, I like to, Say I'm a self-proclaimed serial entrepreneur. Okay. I've kind of dabbled in a lot of different businesses. I've touched a lot of different things on the the quest for my right thing. I don't know that I've found it at this point, yeah. but uh, I've been blessed enough to be really successful in some endeavors along the way. Um, when I was leaving school at that time was kind of the boom of crypto and NFTs, yeah. right? So yep. we're looking back like Web3, if you wanna call yes. it that. Um, couple years ago now, and I really was just well positioned. Uh, I actually, from like 16 years old, I got my first job and I was delivering food and I would take the money that I made delivering food and I was buying Bitcoin with it when yeah. I was 16 years old. We had a kid do that that started working with us a couple years ago, or not even like a year ago, and he was doing that when he was a high schooler and like started here with like a hundred grand because he was buying Bitcoin and like boomed. Yep. He's right around your age and like I, maybe like similar situation in regard to buying into Bitcoin and like just turned in a couple bands into like a hundred bands. And I was able to, to do really well buying Bitcoin and Ethereum really young. And then I was like, there's more to this than just an investment vehicle. I, I really was interested in the technology. 
And so I took a lot of time over a few years when it wasn't so popular yeah. to really learn the technology really well. Yeah. And then when everyone wanted a piece, when NFTs were booming and crypto was booming and like every normal person off the street was like, hey, I can make a lot of money there. When they came into the space, they needed someone that could give them guidance that yeah. actually knew the industry. Yeah. They knew how the tech worked. They knew how the industry worked. They knew how to word things, how to build things, things like that. And that was where I kind of started my first business. Yeah. And I was working as a consultant for a lot of these Web3 startups and was basically just taking revenue shares on projects that we were dropping. I think the biggest project I was ever a part of, we did, you know, not, not me personally, but the project I think sold out and I was in a consultant role, 10 million in- An NFT? Yeah, an NFT project. I think we did 10 million gross in like 36 hours. And you hit it at the right time because that was like a that was like a it bubble. It was a bubble. Yeah, yeah. absolutely. You know, it popped in and kind of popped out because I, yeah. I heard uh, Logan Paul hold, held on to one a little longer than he should have. Yeah. And lost a couple bucks. Oh, yeah. But it was still a lot of money circulated through digital art, which was insane because I'm sitting here thinking like, should I just like go on Photoshop right now and like, like put a, I don't, I don't it's know. It's crazy. Like, I mean, I don't know. We, we'd need a 10 hour podcast absolutely. To, get, to get deep enough yeah, into it. I, but I, I have some guys that uh, I get on the podcast once a year. They're in like the tech space in VC, which is massive in Chicago. Oh, yeah. You know, how the, and uh, I always, you know, pick their brain and get them on here, but like refresh the audience on, you know, they might have a general idea on Bitcoin and NFTs, but web three. Yeah. Yeah. So web three, the, to put it as simply as possible, Web3 is deemed the, the third iteration of the internet, right? So your first iteration of the internet is Google. Yeah. It's input in and then output out. It's nearest car dealership. Yes. And then you get that. That was Web 1.0, yeah. right? Now, Web 2.0 is kind of where we've been the last three, four, five years. It's the iteration where the way that I like to describe it is logging in, yeah. right? You've got social media now. You've got platforms where you're logging in, you're storing personal information. We've got digital commerce. We've got all these things yeah. where the internet is now a vessel for so much more than just yeah. like searching, right? It's it's for collaborating and communicating and all this. Yes. That's web 2.0. That's where I would say we comfortably are right now. Yeah. Now web 3.0 is the complete, um, the complete integration of finance into this world. So mm. now web 3.0 is when everything gets tokenized. Physical assets are tokenized. Money is tokenized. Things come out of the real world and onto what we call the blockchain. Yeah. Blockchain, web 3.0, the basis of it is essentially we're creating a, not just a financial system, but we're creating an information system that doesn't rely on a single point of failure. Mm -hmm. It doesn't rely on a central bank. It doesn't rely on a CEO. It doesn't yeah, there's rely no backing. on backing. That's what like right? scares and, and people. It's the thing is, it's scary that there's no backing, but also myself, right? I am a, I'm a believer that the government and other people don't always have my best interest they in don't. mind, right? Yeah. So what happens if they get a, a hold of the computers and say, your bank's done? <laughs> exactly, right? And now Bitcoin says, you can't do that. Yeah. There, there is no, there's no, There's no Bitcoin shut vault. There's yeah. no off switch. Bitcoin is, you you have one Bitcoin, I have this product, you want it, you give me your Bitcoin, I give you the product, that's it, it's done. We don't need the government to sanction that money. We yeah. don't need people or entities or institutions to back it and say, yeah, we, we say this because what happens is when you rely on a government or institution backed currency, yeah, the government- power corrupts. Exactly, because what are we seeing now? We're seeing we're about to see, in my opinion, hyperinflation. Absolutely. We're seeing, we're just seeing the government turn money that we work so hard for into paper, yeah. worthless paper. Yeah. And it's because there's no control on the supply. There's no control on who gets it. There's no control on anything other than you better pay your fucking taxes. It's, That's it's, the only thing they care about. It's crazy when you study these individuals that get elected into office, especially the lower level positions where there's no set terms and they can be in office for a thousand years. Yeah. And they'll go in, like I just saw this uh, AOC, I think is the individual's yep. name, I don't know, but they, this individual was hired and let's just for, for I don't wanna get too political on anybody, but for, for a better example, let's just say example, Mary gets hired, was a bartender, now 
there's some type of political tie where there's no credentials of this person even being in office or Joe being in office and not reference to Joe Biden, but just Joe <laughs> um, and their bartender and their net worth is negative $300, but they have family now like, hey, we think you'd be good at, you know, running the electoral college or whatever. And now your new salary is 150,000. Three years go by, you reevaluate their net worth. It's like $14 million. And, yeah. and I'm talking about like real data that I've seen yes. over the last two or three years. And and that's for both sides. I'm not saying Democrats. Oh, yeah. I'm just saying government in general. You're talking about, you know, where it's like, was it pigs? Pigs get slaughtered or hogs get slaughtered. Pigs get something. fat, hogs get slaughtered. Yeah, yeah. and it's, it's I, I completely agree with you. I, I, uh, I've i made it kind of my goal to kind of, every year I like to do something new. The last two last two years I spent reading the Dictionary Thesaurus just to hone in on my vocabulary because I was thinking to myself, when you meet individuals in other countries, what do they always know? Two or three languages. Yeah. And I think to myself, and I saw a stat maybe two years ago where it's like the average reading level is in eighth grade yeah. reading level in America. And I'm like, how do we? How are we half as good at our own language when there's other countries that know two or three languages? Yeah. So right now I'm studying the 50 presidents. That's my new goal for, for like next six months is to just deep do a deep dive on the 50 presidents because I think history repeats itself and I'm curious. We're going into probably the most impactful election year of all of our lives, yep. entrepreneurially, economically, and I think I'm not worried. I think we're going about to get 100 times richer, but I want to be as prepared as possible and I want to help others as well. And uh, there, they the the idea of this central banking started with some of the founding fathers and it was they they completely opposed the idea of it because the party i think it was the whigs that tried to even come up with it and it was the essentially like federalist and they liked yep. the idea of central power yes and when anytime you have this central power it's always a great idea and it starts off as a seed of like decent idea and then it grows into this wicked power exactly like you have explained and that's this is probably the most the best explanation that I've heard, and I've I've had this conversation now for three or four years on like, I don't understand a cryptocurrency because I feel like it's giving the government even more power to shut our money off. But the fact that if there is a way truly that it can't be turned off, and you know, at the end of the day, like, you know, who's to say, who, who even creates the value of gold, which maybe TikTok will go crazy by me <laughs> saying that. But at the end of the day, is that, are we not humans consciously saying we deem this gold at at $100 per yep. ounce? You know what I mean? Like, are we not the ones that are- We're not deeming? buying it to use it. Yeah, <laughs> who's doing what with gold? Yeah. And so that's where it's like, you know, cause I, I, you know, I heard Warren Buffett, he's like, well, the reason I don't buy into cryptocurrency is like, yeah, I believe in businesses or a product or a service generating funds. And, you know, I don't see any backing or actual legitimate process to generate these funds. But mm -hmm. this has been a really good explanation in regard to the web three and money markets online. And, and uh, you know, I see some of the guys using Bitcoins in the office and you can fractionalize it down to, you know, a, a Satoshi is what it's called. And it's like, a, it is a, a Fraction of a fraction of a fraction of a fraction. I mean, it, you can get down to pennies, man. You can it's buy insane. your coffee with Bitcoin. People feel like, oh, this is a $50,000, $44,000 asset. No, it's not. What Bitcoin is, is Bitcoin is a finite, scarce, digital source of wealth. Yeah. And all that that is, is something that people have created by people for people, right? The difference is people feel like, well, if the government doesn't support it, they can stop it. You can't stop Bitcoin. It's yeah. it's code. It's already out there. It already exists. There's no stopping it. And I think that is where people get misguided. They they think that this is some easily mutable thing. Like the government will get tired of it and they'll just click the off switch and it'll be question. done. What if we get hit with an EMP? I, I have a great follow-up question for you. If we get hit with an EMP, do you think you're getting money out of your bank? <laughs> no. I'm using my gold lamp bottle. Right? Exactly. We're going to turn to real physical things. And you know what? Physical I assets. can also tell you that Bitcoin can work with an EMP. We don't need Wi-Fi. You don't need things like that for Bitcoin to operate. And I think a good example I give people is they're always like, oh, well, it's all digital. It's all digital. How much money do we actually have physically? I never have no more than a hundred bucks. Yeah, on me, no right? one has cash. No one, even my checkings, my savings, all those, all those accounts. Yes, it's real money, but is it? No, yeah. it's not. It's still digital numbers that we populate on a screen, and we just choose to believe the that they're are there. Disgusting. But if you if you showed up at your bank right now and you said, "I have 
$500,000 in my savings account. Give me a hundred grand of they it. They ain't giving you nothing. No, they're, they're turning you away. Yeah. They're not going to give you a hundred. I mean, it's your money. It's real money. Yeah. Why can't you have it when you want it? Because again, the realness of the US dollar, I would say is less than the realness of Bitcoin. Yeah. People just think because the government backs it, it's legitimate. There's a lot of things that the government backs that mm -hmm. are not legitimate. Just a hundred years ago, $20 would be equivalent to $586 I was reading this morning. I believe that hundred percent. It's insane. It is. So not only is your government, not only is your money that's it's government backed, not actually any more real or tangible than digital money, but it's also having its value, just the life sucked out of it every year as, I mean, we, we've now gotten rid of the debt ceiling. There's no debt ceiling. Yeah. It, we can print unlimited money. Yeah. I mean, the Fed has actually gone on record saying, we can print unlimited money out of thin air. Yes. If that is not a cause for concern, <laughs> I don't know what is because anything that can be fabricated unlimitedly and out of thin air has no value. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's insane. It's insane. Yes. And especially how they're creating the illusions that they're creating right now. Cause I was, I was sharing inflation rates and everything like that with this, uh, the morning with this team and man, you know what I mean? Like the, the we do not have a current inflation rate of 3.1%. No, you know no way. I mean? And if you Google and do research, that's what they're putting out there and having people believe. But when you look at just the cost of natural goods and just overall life right now, I mean, I believe over the last five or 10 years, even five, I would say things have gotten close to double from your, your typical expenses have just doubled. Uh, and, and just your, your the power of your dollar, you know what I mean? That that has doubled in the opposite way as well. So yeah. it's, uh, it's insane, absolutely insane. I mean, for me, what I've done is I have invested into that. And then the other businesses that I've operated are real life service-based businesses. For example, I own a cleaning company um, in Madison right now. Yeah. It's a real service, it's inflation proof, it's recession proof. People have spaces, they need them cleaned. Yeah. That that's it. That's a real tangible thing. Yeah. And there's no fad, there's no real variance in demand. If anything, the variance in demand is with the seasons. Yeah. But I mean, we're our cleaning company, my fiance and I, you know, we we're gonna do 10K this month. Yeah. And we don't clean houses, we don't do anything. We yeah. just connect cleaners with people that need their homes cleaned. Yeah. And that's it. And then we we just keep a fee in the middle and and we're selling a real valuable service to people that are actually looking for that service. And we're also stimulating the gig economy. We're creating jobs, we're creating income yeah. for people. We're paying our, our workers well, right? Like those were the two business models that always interested me, always interested me. Can we create real value or can we do something disruptive and something new? If it's something in the middle, it's not really something that I'm super interested in. I never got really excited by e-commerce and drop shipping and yeah. stuff like that, right? Like taking a shit product and convincing someone that they need it and marking it up 500%. Yeah, makes it, zero sense. You can make money for sure. The people, people that make money in that, money. Are the, those are course lords. You know what I mean? The yes. course lords. Yes. And uh, they're all over the place. And they kind of dilute the market in regard to you know my recruiting strategies and building an insurance company and a sales company where it's, it's a valuable product you're not gonna escape death, you're not gonna escape taxes. 90% of the world is always gonna be impoverished to an extent. What I mean by impoverished is they're gonna be middle class or less. And so there's there's no way in hell that any of them are gonna have income protected or final expense protected. They'll always need a life insurance product. Never have I ever pitched life insurance as a massive investment where you see like a bunch of TikTokers talking about, yeah. you know, that all, that's all BS in my opinion. You don't, cause if it was such a, I tell these guys all the time, if it was such a great product, why wouldn't we as the sales reps just sell ourselves the product a couple times get rich off that and stop selling the product. You yeah. know what I mean? It's like, it's a great product, but it's not a product that you're just like, man, I just love selling insurance. I'm gonna do this for the rest of my life. It was for free. We're doing it to make money, Yeah. right? And yeah. in the midst of us exchanging value, we're receiving value, right? So that that's what I like about that. But then when, you, when you're recruiting into sales, you'll always get the, oh, you're selling a course. Like, no, wish I was, man. I'd make more <laughs> money, I guess, but uh, not selling a course. Oh, this must be a scam. This must be this. This must be MLM. It's like, it's life insurance, absolutely not a scam, been around for hundreds of years, not like Forex, not like drop shipping. And, and no offense to anybody that's legitimately doing any of those things and, and making money through those things, but this is something where you, you acquire a license and you're building up 
a, a book of business by setting up individual policies or B2B policies, whatever it might be. And, um, you know, it's, it's funny because when people bring, I get very passionate about the course lords, you know, because you go on and it's like most of the people that are in sales now, they don't care about selling the product or service. They market themselves by screaming into a camera, saying they have a six pack and saying they do the cold tub or they do the breathing methods and you yep. need to buy their sales course for $10,000 a week or 10,000. Yeah. And they make, they, they convince people. And they do. It's because we have an insecure, weak, spineless nation right now that, that is always down to pay. They'll pay whatever for a potential shortcut. Yep. Even if, even if it's people, I've seen like just, just, unhealthy people jumping around like if I get a six pack I'm going to increase my sales and I'm just like you just don't have a good product or you're not you don't you're not getting enough presentations in yeah and, and it's usually number two you know what I mean because there's decent products out there but it's usually people don't want to do the work they don't want to get the presentations in yeah uh, it's and we live in a technology age you don't even have to make calls <laughs> we have artificial intelligence like you can like have bots and things like reach out to millions of people and you could just sit there and, and you just it's mesmerizing how as, as great of a nation as we once were or still can be, depending on what happens over these next couple of years, I think there's a handicap. I believe in duality. What, whatever's really great, there's an equally opposite, very negative outcome. Yes. And I think with how great we've been, it's that simple saying, you know, strong men, they make good times and good times make weak men and weak men make hard times. And yep. voila, here we are with hard times, right? Yeah, no, we're, we're on the precipice of it. I think there's no... There's no denying the um, duality of the impact that social media has had and the, the coming of the digital age, right? Everyone will pay anything for a shortcut. They'll pay anything for someone else to do it for them. And that's the best business right there. Just create a business that creates a shortcut and sell a shortcut <laughs> yeah. and you you literally make millions. And, and the, the problem is we are, at the same time, feeling deprived and feeling like victims, but also then we're feeling like, you know, anything is possible. The world is the oyster, right? Like yeah. we we have social media. People are blowing up overnight. Millions of followers out of nowhere, right? Million dollars. Exactly, and and we see that, and then we see the the average, the normal person that is just stuck in the consumption loop, and they're just like all day, every day, yeah. feeding into the machine. Yeah. And that top, top group is just getting further and further. And yeah. these people are getting Richard, lower Richard. and lower and more depressed and more unhappy and unsatisfied. Yeah. And I mean, it is exactly what you said. The duality is there. For every amazing facet of this new world we're living in, there is a equally horrible facet yeah. that someone else is experiencing. And uh, it sounds harsh to say it, but it's by their own choice. Absolutely. Now, do you read a lot, any podcasts? Yeah, I do read a lot. I was really big into podcasts for a while, but I've You get actually, podcasted out. Yeah, that, and I've started to enjoy silence. Like yeah. I've started to enjoy not always listening to music, not always yeah. listening to a podcast, not always having something in my ears. Yeah. So I do read a lot. Um, what do you like to read? I, I pretty much all, always financial books. Yeah. You know, I like nonfiction. I like um, literature from people that have done really well and just yeah. learning why they did so well. Anything stick out to you when you think about like a favorite piece, favorite book or anything like that? Yeah, absolutely. I think one of the most underrated books in my opinion, and some people might be like, oh, everyone knows this book. It's How Successful People Think is the name of the book. Yes. Yeah. Uh, it's this big. It probably take you two hours to read it cover to cover. And it is phenomenal. Yeah. I mean, it is a fantastic Isn't that read. by William T.? I think it's, I think that sounds right. I, yeah. I, can't, I can't remember the exact author. The last time I read it was, I think last summer. And it is just like, there's so many core principles in there that yes. are just timeless. Yeah. And that's what I look for when I'm reading books is like, can I read literature that is timeless? Because if you're always just following who's, who's relevant right now, who's yeah. on the cutting edge right now, what works for them right now may not always work for yeah. you in five years or 10 years or your particular situation in life, but books like that. And then a book I had recommended to me by a colleague a couple of years ago that I read that I can truly say changed my life reading it was uh, A Man's Search for Meaning yeah. by Victor, Victor Frankel. Frankel. Yeah. That book just- Crazy, bro. There's just something about it. And yeah. like understanding that there is value in suffering and yeah. there is- value there is innate value in Dude, trying. If you like that book you're gonna like there's a very similar situation uh, another book 
and I think I did this one audible, but I had read Viktor Frankl's In Search for Meaning physically, and it is The Forgotten Highlander. And this is a prisoner of war, okay. pretty much identical. Like it's, you're gonna get this, the same exact thing out of it. You don't even have to read it. But it was cool because, you know, I, I thought when I was reaching, reading A Man's Search for Meaning, I was like, man, you know, one of the things they highlighted in there is like, it's not the optimist or the pessimist that survives, it's the individual that just controls what they can control and focus on the day. Just like, yeah. what can you control yes. today? And I was like, man, he's just, you know, BSing. I read this book and the dude said the same exact thing. Then for some reason after that, I got challenged to do this 100 hour water fast. So I went 110 hours and all I drank was water. Wow. And the only thing that got me through that was I wasn't being optimistic. I was probably being pessimistic, but I was just like, just, just take this moment and just survive this moment. Yes. Just one more moment, one yes. more moment. Don't, don't tell yourself like, here's the finish line. Don't tell yourself like, oh, you're gonna die. Like it wasn't an extreme amount of optimism and it wasn't an extreme amount of negativity. It was just moment after moment. I was like, putting into practice just made me think like, you know, the human body, the human mind is capable of like so much more than we could ever imagine. So much more. It's, it's incredible. I, I couldn't agree with you more. It's all about, can we be present? And can we just be equipped for the challenges and then face them as they come? Amen. And I have always been a believer, one of my favorite sayings or ideologies that I've tried to live my whole life by has been the idea to, to not make your problems bigger than they actually are. Yeah. And we live in a world today of people Magnify that it. everything, everyone makes a mountain out of a molehill, right? Everyone takes a small thing and they are like, but what if this happens? What if that happens? Yeah. What if this becomes this and then this, and then slow down, live in the moment that you're living in, yeah. deal with, the action that is right in front of you and then the repercussion of that action when it arrives. Yeah. Don't, don't let the stress of what might come or the fear of, of what could happen, that there's, that's not a way to live. Do you read uh, Marcus Aurelius? Yes. Reinhardt? It sounds yes. you know, identical to the philosophy. It's stoicism. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's the History basic repeats idea itself. It. There's nothing new, it's all the same. Everyone, every moment that you live, someone else has already conquered it. Yeah or something worse. Yeah. And you don't need to worry about the tiny details, the minutia of life. Yeah. Life is about the big moments, the big decisions. Focus on those, make them as they come, and everything else, it's it's water off a duck's back. It yeah. happens, it's behind you, you keep moving. Amen. Now, what about, um, as we kind of veer off of the intentional things in life, what about unintentionally? Do you have hobbies and things that you do just kind of stimulate your mind with? Are you? Are you a, like a go outside type of person? Or are you a movie person? Video games? What is it? Yeah, so I um, I try to limit my screen time. It's really hard in the world today. I mean, everything yeah. is screens everywhere, right? Yeah. I'm working on my laptop. I'm then working on my phone. And then if I want to unwind, I'm watching a movie on the TV, all that. Yeah. So when I get a chance, I try to really unplug from screens. Um, I love being outside. One of the worst parts about living in the Midwest, in my yeah. opinion, is how much time we have to spend inside. Yeah. Um, but I, I love the gym, I love working out, um, I love cooking, I like creating things, right? I'm not necessarily a artist per yeah. se, but I enjoy just ideating, you know, doing creative things and being outside and being active, playing any type of sports, any type of game competition. Yeah. My fiance would probably tell you that like I would find a way to compete for anything. I mean, yeah. We could be drinking a glass of water at the same time, and I'm like looking over at her, trying to finish it as quick as I can. Yeah, I'm the same way. That's just how I am. And, yeah, that's what makes I, you successful, I think. Agreed, and yeah. it also makes you it makes you stimulated. It reminds you you're alive. It reminds you you're moving towards something. Of yeah. like, you you have that drive still. You have that that kick because when you lose that, it's it's really hard to Absolutely. push yourself and get up every morning and do things like that. Absolutely. I always ask everybody this, and, and uh, some people aren't movie people, but I, that's kind of what I get at here is, uh, what's your favorite movie? Do you have one? Um, I don't know that I have a favorite movie. I really, if I'm gonna watch movies, I really enjoy action movies. Yeah, um, I love the James Bond movies. Yeah. Uh, I'd say if I had to pick a favorite right now off the top of my head, I really love Casino Royale, the yeah. James Bond movie. That's the newest movie. one, right? Or is, that, is, that, is that the newest James Bond movie? No, no, that, that's, uh, that's with Daniel Craig. Okay. It's, uh, it's an older one. It's Probably it's my mom's favorite movie also, and yeah. I probably picked that up yeah. from her watching yeah, yeah. it so many times. Yeah, yeah. But I love movies like that. Um, 
I also enjoy comedy. My fiance loves like rom-com and I can yeah. get down with it every once in a while, yeah, yeah. but I don't know that I have like a movie where I'm like, oh, this movie. Yeah. Do, you, do you have a favorite yourself? Ah, uh, bro, that's all I do. You know what I mean? So if I'm not working, I'll watch a movie. All I don't right. do nothing else, nothing else. Um, Jiu-Jitsu. So I do jujitsu, movies, work out, but I feel like working out is part of my work. That's true. Because I'm just developing myself. Um, so for me, my favorite movie is either Troy, which is a based off of Greek mythology. Yeah, the yeah. Iliad, I'm familiar the with the okay, movie. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it, but I, I'm familiar yeah. with the, war movies. the story yeah. and the movie. Yeah, it's either Troy or King Arthur, Legend of the Sword. I like anything war, anything that has an underdog that has to fight back, because I can relate to that a lot, and uh, just ruthless. Anything that's pretty much like not being created right now that's extremely soft. Like If it's not soft and weird, I'll leave it as that. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. Um, so I like older movies right now are kind of my thing, and I'm just hoping that... You know, I'm, I'm hoping this nation really has a an awakening and uh, we can start to create things that that are you know going to leave a lasting impact on the on the children and the people that are coming after us because right now it doesn't it doesn't look like it's going in the right direction you know what I mean yeah. um, I saw something weird uh, I wanted to bring up see if you saw it as well in the news that scientists had a conversation with a whale they were actually able to conversate with a with a whale and that they able to use this technology to potentially uh, uh, conversate with aliens. Wow. Joe Rogan reposted it. He's one of the only podcasts I, I still listen to. And uh, you like Rogan at all? I don't I know. I do, yes. So he's kind of like my, my like, I, I just kind of base everything off of him. So if he doesn't <laughs> say it, I don't really believe it. Um, but yeah, dude, I, I thought that was nuts. Yeah, that that's insane. I have heard nothing about that. I'm going to have to look to jump it. into that when <laughs> yeah, I get out look of here. Into because it, bro. I just, I mean. Imagine talking to a whale. Yeah, <laughs> I can't. I mean, I don't even understand how that would work just from the actual sounds that they can make. Yeah. Like how can we interpret that into a dialect, like a real language? Yeah. It doesn't even make sense to me. No I thought idea. whales just made the same noise over and over again. Uh, yeah, I have, I have no idea. No idea. It's insane to me to think. Where, so let's, as we wrap up, five years from now, where you wanna be? Oh, wow. Um, you know, I would say my, my number one goal five years from now, um, I would like to have my, my then wife, I'll be married in July. Um, I'd like for her to be done working. Yes. So she works. She's a civil engineer. She's a she's a badass. Um, yeah. And I would love for in five years for her to be raising our kids and not working. Yeah. And um, if if I am still living in Wisconsin, enough, probably not. Um, but that being said, she loves it there. Happy wife, happy life. Amen. You know, and I've been always a more of a digital entrepreneur. I can kind of work from wherever. Yeah. And home base to me, it's just gotta be somewhere we're comfortable and we're safe. I yeah. wanna have a, a bigger family. And, um, you know, we're, we're talking about five years from now, I, I think we should have a youngin, at least one, and we'll be married and hopefully in our, in our own home and she won't be working anymore. That, that'd be the dream. What do, you like, what do you like to blow money on? Someone, there's always something. Is it trips? Is it cars? <laughs> yeah. Is it it's trips? Yeah, it's travel for sure. Um, we, when we got engaged uh, this summer, we went to, Europe, I, I took her to Europe for a whole month, like 31 days we were there. We jumped around to like seven different countries, got engaged in Germany. Um, it was a trip of a lifetime and I'd like to do something like that every every three years. I mean, yeah. it'll get harder as we have kids and they get older, but my guilty, not even guilty, my, my pleasure where I like to spend my money is 100% traveling, not a car guy, I like clothes, yeah. but they don't have to be designer. They don't have yeah, to be whatever. I just I like whatever. to have versatility. I, I want to yeah. have what I want to wear. Yeah. But honestly, travel for me, or I am a big, uh, I'm a big gift giver. You know, I'd love to be able to give some really nice gifts to my parents, yeah. uh, to my wife, to my children. So I'd say those will be the places I, I spend my money. Yeah, absolutely. Um, I hear a lot when individuals go to Europe, the the food difference is it, yeah. just the nutritional value. Obviously you're not breaking it down scientifically, but like you just experience it and feel a lot better and don't put on a lot of weight. Did you experience that? Like you could eat whatever and like you weren't really noticing fatigue and putting on a bunch of pounds or what was the deal? Yeah, I think the biggest difference actually is is the number of like preservatives and chemicals and, and unnecessary ingredients. Yeah. and. It's the fact that, you know, pasta in, in Europe where we were, it's four ingredients, right? Because that's all you need for pasta. Yeah. You're taking pasta here, you're going, and 
it's 17 yeah, ingredients. Yeah, they have Zantex gum in it or something Because it's got stupid. everything yeah. in it, and it's got dyes, and it's got this and that. And what, yep. Where the food over there is just food. Yeah. And that, I think, I, I definitely noticed that I just felt like lighter, if that makes sense. Like yeah. I could eat a big meal and not feel bloated and distended and, and groggy mm. and all that. I could eat big meals. I could have a, a carb heavy meals. I could have fat heavy meals, but yeah. I was eating real food Amen. and your body likes that. Yes. Your body doesn't like eating Twinkies and, and hot Cheetos and shit like that. It, that's not real food. No, dude, I hired a nutritionist that, that works with the Cavalier. Shout out to Kyleen, uh, phenomenal. And I always joke and I, I tell my people, it's like, we're so stubborn and so egotistical that, you know, we'll have individuals telling us the right information or it'll be right in front of us. Like, how are we as humans not realizing that we should flip something over, look at the ingredients. And if there's things on there that we don't understand, we shouldn't eat it. So I pay this girl, you know, a good amount of money just for her to tell me like, hey, don't eat things that you don't understand the ingredients. That's the whole thing I got out of a, a good amount of money, like a good amount of money uh, just for her to say, if you don't understand the ingredients and you don't know where the ingredients are from, like you don't know where they got the flour, you don't know where they got the apple, banana, like just simple things. If you don't know where it came from, try your best not to eat it and try to find pure organic food that you know where the ingredients came from, where the food came from. And, uh, you know, I have my sister, my mom tell me all the time, I'm like, shut up, sister. You know, <laughs> like, what do you know? Yeah. You know, yeah. and, uh, you know, just to come to find out, like, we're so like, and it, for me, it was two lessons. Like, one, yeah, eat healthier, but two, what am I avoiding in front of me right now that my ego is is holding me back from advancing in my business life, my physical life? That was a physical example, but like, and this was right in front of my face and it took me spending money with a stranger because my ego didn't want me to, you know, think somebody in my close circle was as smart as me, like, yep. I'm a genius, you know? And like, yeah, just come yeah. and find out, you're so stupid, dude. Like, you know what I mean? You, you had to hire someone to tell you to eat bananas that, you know what I mean? Like aren't sugar-coated or something. So, uh, you know, that's crazy. The last thing I want to ask you, I promise the last thing, faith. Do you have a faith? Do you have a belief? Yes, I am. Uh, I'm Christian. I'm yes. a evangelical free Christian. Let's go. So uh, I grew up in the Christian church. Both of my parents, um, I don't know that my mom was really raised with much faith. Uh, yeah. I know my dad was raised with more so. Um, I grew up in the church. I kind of wandered away from the church for a little while yeah. when I was in my late teens, early twenties, kind of that college yeah, age yeah, where, you know, everything seems like, Prodigal son oh, moment. the church is too, it's too old school for me, yeah. right? It, it doesn't apply to the way that I live life because yeah. it was written so long ago and and I've really come full circle and, and realized that there are very few things in life that matter as much as your faith if you have one. And um, yeah. It was a big moment also that, you know, I came to with, uh, with my fiance, my soon to be wife, we yeah. were going through wedding planning and, and family planning and things like this. And we were just like, really not feeling good about it. And we, it took a lot of introspection to realize there's only three people that matter in a, in a marriage and that's you, your partner and God. And yeah. if, if you can get that nailed down, everything else just the weight is lifted off, and that is exactly what we've experienced. So it's amazing. I'm, uh, I'm not probably not as good of a of a Christian as I should be, if you can say that. You yeah. know, I, I I'm I am guilty of my vices, just like everyone else yeah. is. But I am definitely a believer, and I I've been working very hard to strengthen my relationship with God. Amen. Love it, brother. Love it. I love to hear that. I think. Uh, you know, I'm a big relationship with the Lord opposed to religion yep. with the Lord because, you know, when, when you really start to understand the word and get into the word and you start to realize like we're all screw ups, we all have vices, sins, skeletons, every single individual, regardless of your beliefs, if you want to tune it into this, like everyone has has things in their closet that we could pull out and be like, you're the worst human in the world. And, and what I love about God and his word is in in his eyes, they're all equivalent. You know what I mean? Whether it's as you know as as hard as that might be for people to understand, whether you you said a swear word or you murdered someone, like he doesn't judge you. We don't. We as humans, we measure individuals and say, well, you did that, so you're worse than me. Yep. And as long as I do this, I'm better than you. It's like that's not the case, and that's why I love when I'm expressing to my my Muslim uh, you know co coworkers and individuals that are part of our business, the, the Muslim culture. I was like, I really respect your guys' discipline. In, in your religion, but I, I also want to remind and encourage you that, you know, I, I believe in regard to your faith that there should be a grace and not an excuse for you to go live a wild life, 
but knowing that your God loves you so much and he, he sent and sacrificed for you, created a way for you to enter into his presence in his kingdom, as, as we believe with, with Christianity, with God sending Jesus to uh, die for our sins, that we're saved by grace through faith, not by works. And so I love that. I love sharing that. I love creating an opportunity that I don't force my beliefs on anybody. But I, I'm just get curious because, you know, when I'm studying these presidents, this, this nation was founded on faith. It was founded on education. It was founded on tradition. And it was it was founded on principles and values. Yes. And and when you start to remove a foundation from anything, what happens? It falls apart. It falls apart. So I think that's that's important. When I look at somebody successful, young, got it going on like yourself, I see a good foundation. I see parents that instilled a good foundation. I see a young man that's kept a good foundation. And I was like, in my mind, I think you're going to be everything you dream of and more. Maintain that foundation because that's what I'm studying. That's what's helped me. That's what I'm going to do to try to become more and more successful. So this was a great podcast, to be honest. I didn't think we were going to have that much to talk about. I was going to ask you a little bit about soccer, <laughs> rip it, but come to find out, dude, like maybe soccer players are geniuses. I talked to some other some other uh, you know athletic individuals. They're kind of like, <laughs> yeah, yeah. You know what I mean? Can't really I, have I know exactly what you mean. <laughs> like, okay, buddy, we're not doing a long podcast. <laughs> <laughs> you, you have one good skill. You know what I mean? Like yeah, that's yeah. about it. So stick to stick to catching footballs. <laughs> yeah, yeah, stick to catching a football or putting a ball in a hoop, buddy. But uh, that's the uh, the not for long league or the I don't know the John Morant, bro. <laughs> Shout out to you though. You're a baller, but uh, <laughs> he is. That comeback game was yeah, crazy, insane. But hey, guys, make sure you follow. Make sure you follow Parker, man. And uh, if you guys have any questions, Web3, anything like that, I'm sure they can hit you up. Absolutely, yeah. Right? Cool. Another episode of Versity Kings. We are out. Peace.